This is episode 10. Episode of 10. Jesus Network. Do people really need to like say the numbers of our episodes? I don't know, but I do it every time. That's so great. now it's a habit. Okay, cool. We'll keep going, baby. So, You're doing a great job. Episode thank 10. You. We're talking about something that maybe most of us have experienced at I some know point I have. in our lives. Whew. Especially recently. Or are experiencing or might experience. Wait, what did you just say? <laughs> what did you say? Anyway, we're talking about toxic relationships. You're not in a toxic relationship. This is my body right now. is found on a river somewhere. Right. Y'all no. know what happened. This is not toxic. This is great. Uh, have you been in a toxic relationship? Weird ones, but I wouldn't say toxic. I don't know if they were toxic. I know. I know all his ex-girlfriends. The only it reason you experience toxic relationships is because you stay in them. That's that's very true. Point number one. Ding, ding, ding. You're <laughs> in a get? toxic relationship because you won't get out of it. So I actually want to kind of navigate through a couple different types of toxic relationships. So let's start with the obvious one, which is dating. Mm, okay. There's because your problem right there. What? You should just skip right to marriage. Here Stop wasting again. the time. We've I'm already had that conversation. All right. We're dating toxic relationships. Right. Give me a situation. What are, some, what, are some, what are some red flags is what I think we need to talk about. Let's talk mm -hmm. about from the man's perspective and the women's perspective. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I heard a long time ago is, and, and this is actually probably more from a woman's perspective looking in, is how a man speaks to his sisters and his mother. Love it. To look at how they communicate to them yep. because that is how they will end up communicating to you. Because you're so comfortable with your sister and your mom, and obviously they're a female. Right. So you've gotten so used to how you communicate. So when you've just, well, we, we're comfortable, so now I can just yell or I can be frustrated. I can be quick to anger or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like one of those areas that you have to look for. It's like a telltale because, like you said, there's a comfort, but there's also still a level of respect or mm -hmm. not in a family. So yeah. it's not like, no, it's different because you can just totally, well, yeah, you can totally be yourself. Yeah. And I think your true colors really come out. So that is, that is really good to kind of mm -hmm. see how they are with the family. But what are some behaviors that, um, in a relationship and you can do whether it's the guys or the girls, but that yeah. you've seen in people that we've known, or I all think of people that I've worked with in counseling yeah. or things like that. And I'll, I'll, I'll think of a few too. I think one that I notice in people, like when I see people dating and I see these things happen, I'm like, ooh, yo, better watch out, man. I would not go there. Um, is when somebody has such thin skin and they're like, they're quick to fire off. Like when you well, come I at- pop off real quick. What? I pop off sometimes. That's why I said I was in a toxic relationship. <laughs> Can you tell them you're not in a toxic And we'll see you guys next week for episode 11. <laughs> Can you just reassure us that it's not a not toxic a relationship and Dee's hair looks great? It's true. It does. Okay. So what do you mean by that then? That pop off or whatever you said? Yeah. Like if, if they're like have no patience in situations, if somebody comes at them with anything like, oh, I'm just going to like crack a joke really quick at them and they take it so personally. So you're saying like an oversensitivity? Yeah, I think for me when I see that early on, because when that comes later, when you're like, oh, I just feel offended and hurt now, that's one thing. But what happens in the very beginning, I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, but very insecure. What if the, the jokes and the little jabs are the toxic behavior? What if it's like this weird little like bullying or teasing? Because I've seen that too. Yeah, no, that could be it too. So... I think on both sides, it could both be toxic. Absolutely. Here's what I'm you always think thinking, of. looking at from the outside, like if you're watching, 
Not yeah. like they're doing it to each other, but like you're seeing how they are with their friends or with anybody. Mm-hmm. No, Anyways, but yeah, you're talking about the other side. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Within yeah. the relationship, yeah. I think the other part to really think about when you're thinking of okay, wait, let me take a good snapshot of this relationship. Is this really toxic? Is Anything that to me is very extreme mm-hmm. becomes toxic. So if it is something like, oh, they're oversensitive. Well, sensitivity is not a bad thing mm-hmm. in a relationship. Vulnerability is not a bad thing. Sharing your feelings is not a bad thing. Ex- explaining that something hurt your feelings with a comment that was made is not a bad thing. But if it's a constant, uh, an over uh, sensitivity due to insecurity. Yeah. And now everything is like, well, wait, what did you mean by that? Well, wait, do you not think I'm pretty? Well, wait, like, how come you're not hanging? Then it's becoming like, okay, there's yeah. such an insecurity that it's leading this relationship in a really like mm-hmm. difficult path. And then on the flip side, the people that are like doing the little nitpicking or the nagging, is it like that kind of relationship where you can banter back and forth and have fun? Or is it the beginning of an abusive relationship where they start off by talking about what you wear and how you look and making little comments like that and then being like, oh, you're just being oversensitive. Mm -hmm. Because I've seen that too in very like narcissistic behavior. Yes. You know what I mean? And so so it, it can, I think both things could be really innocent, but when taken to an extreme, they can mm-hmm. go into a really toxic place. Yeah. So you obviously know. we know that when two people are dating, um, you know, marriage is a whole other story. We can get to that one. We'll get to that one next. But as far as dating goes, you're dating for a reason. If, if you had no feelings, you would just break up. Um, but there's obviously feelings there. There's some kind of a chemistry there. So what would you say for a couple uh, who they have the feelings, they have the chemistry, but then there's also these red flags what would you what advice would you give to this person if there's red flags in the relationship mm-hmm. well you we got to look at what the red flags are yeah so is a red flag like tr- there's trust issues you know what i mean like that to me is a red flag where they're they don't trust their partner they have to check their phone all the time they have to now there are relationships where and this is more towards marriage someone's cheated and then they're like let me see your phone that's Mm -hmm. different Mm -hmm. but when it's like this dating getting to know one another figuring out if this is what we want and right off the bat there's again that jealousy that insecurity that creeps up and and it's like you probably did this and it's like what where is that even coming from that from trust is a huge red flag for me um, and really poor communication that there that doesn't want to be worked on. Mm-hmm. So it's communication should always be growing in the relationship. Like you and I, I think are still learning. We're so great at communicating. No, we're still learning how to communicate. We're thanks so to our counselor. great at communicating. And it's funny because we laugh about that. We feel like we didn't actually start communicating until like eight years in, and we communicated, but we were missing each other mm-hmm. in so many ways. So that's always a process. But when there's just like a real lack of communication yeah. and a lack of not caring about one another's needs or yeah. one of their needs. Yeah. So if something is communicated and it's laughed off, shrugged off, not dealt with, not worked out, mm-hmm. then yeah, it's like, does this person really care about your feelings? Now you might ask why, or they might ask, or someone might ask why, why, do we stay in toxic relationships? Because you said you're usually not in one unless you stay in one. Mm -hmm. But there's something in there. There's a root issue somewhere in there that's keeping you with this person. I know what the root issue is. Tell us. It's that you see something so good in them that you're hanging on to that and you're neglecting the red flags. 
For because some. you want to, you, it's almost like seeing the diamond in the rough. You're like, I'm going to work the diamond out. And mm-hmm. then they get the diamond out and they just realize they just stay rough. Mm-hmm. And 10 years later, they're like, oh no, mm-hmm. they never became the diamond that I thought For I was going to sure. see. I see that. I've seen that. And I think I was that person in people that have the person. Yeah, weren't you in like a gang or something like that in high school? No, not a gang. Wasn't a gang. Oh, I thought there was something about diamonds or something Where like that. Ta- I wasn't part of it. They didn't include me. <laughs> but anyway. They were all toxic. <laughs> they were toxic. <laughs> no, but they, I think that is for certain personalities. They feel like the fixers. They feel like the savers. They want to come in and they see something really mm-hmm. good. Now that could also be a good thing to help pull out the good in people that want that to come out. But then you have the other people who are so they they almost are drawn to the broken cases Mm -hmm. and they want to fix and they want to heal and they want to do this and it's like this this person doesn't want healing yeah i think another reason is there's a deep-rooted um issue that hasn't been dealt with you know even with the lord like here's the thing like if we're talking a lot if it feels very like oh this is psychology and whatever this is all stuff that you still bring to the lord and that you surrender to him and you give to him and you say, I don't, I, this is something that breaks my heart. This is something that I'm weak in and I need your strength, you know? But if there's a root issue with um, rejection or abandonment or something like that or control or whatever, mm-hmm. when you are with someone like that, that almost kind of like pokes at that that core fear, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like that could even just these deep rooted issues can keep us locked in in a relationship that's not good for us. So I think the other part of it, too, is like you said, we kind of feel this this pressure or we feel stuck. I think we need to remember that relationships and marriage is meant by God, like to bring two to become one to better each other, it, it builds you up, it strengthens you. And so if you can look through the Bible and the person that you're dating is not doing these things for you and they're not bringing you closer to Jesus and they're not encouraging you. Cause I think, I think for us, I was kind of a mess when we started dating. You were great, babe. And you did see the diamond in the rough, like you really did. But the difference was I, I wanted to grow. And you saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself, but you helped like foster that mm. and bring that out of me. So if, but if I constantly was fighting back and sabotaging and hurting you and distancing myself, then at some point you would have had, to, you should have, if I was like that, you should have disconnected from me, broken up and, and moved on with your life. I'm glad you did. And I'm glad it worked out. Me too, babe. But I'm just saying, so there's, there's, there's ways that it works, but anytime it goes to that, like, extreme when mm-hmm. it just swings that way it yeah. becomes very taxing yeah you know so i think if we have red flags and they're the extremes or whatever and they're kind of like unchanging and then they stay true to those things i think just like what you had mentioned about yourself like you wanted to grow mm-hmm. and and the word i think about there is teachable yeah like when you're teachable and you're willing to still learn and grow and mature and all of that stuff um, I think that is one of those signs that maybe you've recognized a non-toxic trait in somebody, yeah. you know? So to look for that, if, if your significant other is willing to change and be teachable, then I think you're in a pretty good situation. But oh boy, if you're go. with someone who wants to change you in every single way, that might be toxic. No, you don't go after somebody that you want to change. But you're Miles, trying to go after all the time. That's why you should go after somebody that you don't want to change. How, how, I'm telling you, it happens all the time. Sure does. These girls 
start dating these guys and then they're like, I don't like this, I don't like that. He doesn't go to church, he doesn't do it. And it's like, then why did you start dating him? Where'd you meet him at? Why are you sleeping with him? Whoa, jeez, you jumped bar. there. Well, at the happens? bar? No, you said, oh, geez, <laughs> you this, said where'd this you meet? Really I was wild. answering another question. This got wild. But it's like, yeah, if you're meeting some hood rat in a bar hood rat. and you're wanting some man of God, like, yeah. I'm sorry, it, you're not gonna change him. That's my thing too, is like people, before you get into a full-blown relationship, Bring them around people that you trust, not just to meet them on a FaceTime call. I've seen so many people do that. Oh, I met them on FaceTime. So many times I've seen that happen. And I'm like, that tells them nothing. I could interview and sound like I'd be a great candidate to sell medical sales or medical <laughs> devices and have never done it before in my life. But if I had one interview and one shot, I might be able to sell them, right? Anybody can sell themselves in one phone call, but to put them around people in your community mm -hmm. and see how they are, their true colors will come out because you have many friends who uh, are not swayed by them, by their feelings. You are. Right. So put them around them. And then that just goes back to what we talked about last week, that God had created us to put us in community. So it's like yeah. the best thing you can do before you start dating, before you find yourself in a toxic relationship is bring them into your community yeah. and you'll see some testing happen there. Um, and when your best friends who you trust and mm -hmm. spiritual mm -hmm. mentors, you know, people who are discipling you, pastors, whoever, they start to see, whoa, look at the fruit in this person's life. Um, and they comment on it and all that stuff. Like then that, that might mm -hmm. be like a green light. Like, oh wow, they are really great. Or they'll be like, I know. Like, do not. <laughs> do That's why you need honest people in your life. We, That's why I love Dee. She's always honest. I am. You, you have to have those people. I would have been the nice guy to be like, oh, I, I'm sure there's some great things about him. <laughs> and Miles try to be nice. Find the diamond in the rough. <laughs> I don't want to lose a friendship over a bad comment. You know what I mean? But like, Dee will just tell you how, how it is. I'll be like, she's not for you. Yeah. You I do need those people, though, <laughs> because they'll give it to you real and they'll probably save you in the long run, like years of trauma. Seriously. Okay, what about toxic church relationships? Oh boy. I know. Yeah. There's something spiritual that happens when uh, there's this, this for some people it's a trigger word, for, for other people it's a holy word. Um, and it should be a holy word, but when it's abused it becomes a trigger word, obviously. Yeah. Um, and that word is submission. So when you come up under a, uh, a church and pastors and leaders and you are now submitted to their authority and you say, I am here, they're gonna be my shepherd. Uh, what it meant to be a shepherd and to be the sheep of a shepherd back in the day, I'm talking about people, I'm not talking about animals. Um, it was like you submitted complete control to them. Uh, that for us just seems wild because you yeah. you know you grew up in the, the land of the free, free and the home, home of, the of the brave. Yeah. That's where you grew up, so you don't think about like coming up under uh, you know somebody else's leadership um, unless it's forced upon you. So, anyways, when you do that, though, um, sometimes you do it without even realizing. I don't think you have to say a, a pledge of allegiance or anything like that to to submit yourself under somebody. But when you say, "This is my house. This is my home. This is my church. I'm going to be here. These are my leaders. I'm going to follow them," um, you you are in, in agreement or agreement of of submitting yourself to them. So when you do that, when things get wild and they do sometimes in the church, as my mm -hmm. good friend Hurston said one time that, you know, not the churches aren't all bad, but some of the people in the churches are bad. Mm -hmm. You know, he deserves a quote. Somebody tag him in the comments, please. <laughs> Make that a, but that happens, right? So, so when you jump in in the beginning of a church, like everything is rainbows and butterflies and it's beautiful. And then you start to see true colors in people. And because you've been submitted spiritually, mm. Um, people find it very, very, very hard 
to leave because they feel this connection. It's almost like how people talk about when you sleep with somebody before marriage, it's like a soul tie. It's, it's pretty much the same thing, uh, obviously different, but like, it's like a soul tie. So it's very hard to break away. So you actually see people, they stay in these abusive church relationships for years past yeah. when they already saw the red flags and felt the red flags mm -hmm. um, years ago, they still stay. Yeah. Yep. I've, we've seen it time and time again. I think one of the biggest red flags is, I think there's a lot of things that you can look at and see, like it just what we always say, like, where's their fruit? You know, where's the fruit of the spirit in these people? And, and are they operating it? And are they living in it? Where do you look for the fruit? Because you can't see it in preaching. No, in you, their family life, mm -hmm. with their wife and husband, with their kids, mm -hmm. even with the community, with their staff, if you're in staff or anything outside of like the limelight and yeah. the stage and like seeing because anybody like just like you said, like the FaceTime call, anybody can put on a face and do what they need to do. I think for me, one of the biggest red flags or one of the biggest things of like, OK, this is toxic leadership mm -hmm. is if you know that you can truly hear from the Lord. If the Lord speaks to you, which he can speak to all of us, if he's confirmed something in his word, if he's shared something in your heart, uh, put a dream inside of you, someone's confirmed it, whatever, however it is that the Lord has spoken to you and confirmed things. If you know like, okay, the Lord has spoken to me and or the Lord does speak to me and you go to leadership and you say, the Lord said this and they say, no, he did not without praying, without seeking the Lord mm -hmm. about it, without even maybe fasting, without yeah. without truly getting on their face and saying, okay, Lord, is this what you, like, as they're, as they're covering or as their, you know, um, authority or whatever you want to call it, um, if they can just sit there and say, no, the Lord didn't say that. And we've heard many stories of this. We've lived many stories of this where it's like an instant because it's not what they desire. It's, mm -hmm. it's not it's not what they desire. So they say it's yeah. not what God desires. Yeah. So if the first response from your leadership is that you don't hear from God, then it's kind of like, especially if you're in a place of leadership, your question should be like, then why do you have me in leadership? Mm -hmm. Because if you don't trust that I can hear from the Lord about something in my own life, then how do you expect me to hear from the Lord when I preach to the youth or lead worship or yeah. lead the kids or yeah. greet people or play the drums or whatever it is. So all these things, it's like you have to have. Now, again, if someone, if you say to someone, I believe the Lord's telling me this, can you pray about it? And they do, and they seek the Lord, and they come back and they say, Listen, this is what I heard. Yeah. But even then, like I remember we met, um, it was Pastor John McKenzie of Hope mm -hmm. Fellowship. He's one of the greatest men just in pastors alive. One of the greatest. He's amazing. But such a father. Yeah, he is. But That's he, what I'm going to talk about next. He told a story about someone who came to him and said, I think the Lord said this. Can you pray about it? He did. He said, listen, I don't think this is what the Lord is saying. He said, but what, I'm going to trust that you're going to hear from mm. the Lord and I'm going to bless you and I'm going to cover you and I'm going to pray for you. It ended up being it didn't work out. Yeah. And he was there to love them and yeah. receive them back and all the things with no shame and no guilt. But it was like, I'm going to give you the freedom. And, and it's, yeah, it's like, a, I'm going to let you take it because you're going to talk about fathers. But it's like truly being a father and saying, hey, if you fail, there's like a safety net here. Yeah. And I'm not going to be here to say, told you so. I'm yeah. not going to be here to laugh in your face and gloat about it. I, I pray I'm wrong, yeah. but this is what the Lord said, but here yeah. you go. Let's trust that you're hearing from him. Yeah. I mean, I think Jesus is the best example, right? Yeah. So when you hear the story of the prodigal son, 
do you think the father in that story did anything wrong or was he a bad guy or anything? Mm -hmm. Okay, so he has his youngest son who he knows is immature mm -hmm. because he's asking for his father's inheritance, which is basically like saying, you're dead to me. I want the money from, from what happens when you die. Give it to me now. I want it now. And the father does what? He gives it to him. He gives it to him and lets him go anyway. Mm -hmm. He doesn't fight. Right. He doesn't tell him, no, son, you're wrong, and I'm not giving it to you. Right. You can go. you got to trust me and submit to me. And none of me. it. Yeah. He doesn't say any of that. He lets him go, knowing that when it gets bad, he's going to come back to me, and hmm. that's when I, he'll really know who I am as a father. He really he's going to get to know me that way. So I think about that, and I think about the many, many, many scenarios that we have witnessed and been around because we were youth pastors. Now we are lead pastors um, of watching young, uh, you know, 18, 19, 20, mm -hmm. 21 year olds mm -hmm. who feel called to ministry and their believing parents give so much pushback and want them to go to college instead of follow the Lord's voice. Mm -hmm. So same scenario. So a lot of times we say toxic church relationships, you know, the pastors don't want somebody to go and do something in ministry that God's leading them to, but a true father will let them go. Mm -hmm. A true father and mother would let them go and they would commit to praying for them mm -hmm. that God is going to be with them. And it might feel uncomfortable for you and you might not think this is the right time or whatever, I mean, I just can't imagine that James and John's dad on the boat when he's reeling the fish in thinks this is a great time for my sons to abandon me. Mm -hmm. Like I raised them up. Same with Peter and Andrew. Same situation. Two boats. Same day. Two dads. Imagine the conversations they were having. They could have gone one or two ways. Right. One way could have been like, what the heck are we supposed to do now? Our sons... They're our legacy. Right. We're supposed to give them this boat when we die. They're supposed to bring the business in when we're tired and old and we're getting there already. No, they, they could have done that and everybody would be like, that's terrible. But most of us do that. Yeah. The other side is they could have been like, I can't believe that my sons are, they, they're choosing to forego yeah. money and a career. Not that fishing was the greatest career in the world to go follow this one that we just witnessed do a miracle. Mm-hmm. He must be the Messiah. Something is happening, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's that's where I see, like, good fathers will mm -hmm. see children, sons and daughters, and say, they all they're trying to do right now is follow the yeah. miracle worker. They're trying to follow the Messiah. Mm -hmm. Let them go. Yeah, yeah. We've, we've especially recently, heard just so many different conversations that have happened between biological fathers and spiritual fathers, where they have people have gone to them and said, this is what the Lord is telling me to do. Mm -hmm. And they've completely shut it down. Yeah. And, and I've said this so many times I've, we've preached about it. I've talked about it in a podcast, I'm sure, but it's just, it's amazing to me how those same people and, and whoever has been, ever been guilty of it, maybe we've been guilty of it, who knows, but like that we read those scriptures and we read about them leaving the boat. We leave, we talk about Matthew, you know, leaving the tax booth and we're so inspired and we're so like, yes, we're, we want to be like that. But it's almost like it's not realistic now. It's realistic for Bible days when Jesus was on the earth. But now that he's in heaven and we have the Holy Spirit, now it's not mm -hmm. realistic for us to actually do that. And now it's not wise and now we're not good stewards. And now it's like, but you don't have an education and how are you going to make money? And what? 
And so it's like, so are we all in for Jesus or are we not? Yeah. You know what I mean? But yeah. so kind of bringing it back to the relational side of it is surrounding yourself with people that are rooted in the word that have fruits of the spirit that you see throughout their life. Like if you are, if you are at a church, watch how that man loves his wife and treats his wife and off talks to his wife off the stage, not just calls her hot from the stage or whatever, which these pastors love to do. Or they pose for their birthday, but or you never see their, their pictures birthday. throughout if the whole year. If you go on, listen, this is just my own advice. Okay. But if you go on their Instagram and you cannot find their wife and children, I'm sorry to me, that is a red flag. I don't like it. I instantly have a really bad distaste for really any person, but especially a pastor that it's like sermon clips and, and verses and little quotes from my sermon and church bulletin. And it's like, where is your wife? Like, why are, why is she not the main thing in your life? Why is she not even in your bio? Like, why is she nowhere to be found? There's a couple that I'm like, not a couple that I'm thinking of, but there's a couple Which people. One? No, no, just kidding. There's a couple people that I didn't even know they were married. Yeah. Until you you said something about, all right, I can't remember mm -hmm. who it was. But so it's like, do they value and respect and love their wife, their family? Because that is their first ministry, or it should be at least. Yeah. That's what the Lord's entrusted them with, even more importantly than the church. Yeah. So yeah, find the fruit in these people and then be able to like come under that covering or that, you know, submit under that because now you know this is good, this is good ground. This yeah. is a good place to be. Mm -hmm. This is a safe place to be. You know, and and I know it's it's sometimes it's hard and sometimes we learn years later, like, oh, OK, they're not the person I thought I was. But it's like you have that discernment and you pray and you look for the things that are that align with the word yeah. to make sure that, OK, whether it's your relationship, whether it's your spiritual, whatever authority, whether it's friendships, whatever it looks like, if they're if they're pulling you down and they're pulling you away from Jesus and they're it's like a misery loves company thing or it's always this kind of like, oh my gosh, I, I, I feel so empty. Yeah. You know, it's like you've got to surround yourself with those people mm -hmm. that you want to be with. You always say, um, not you want to be with, but you want to be like too. But you always say, um, if I can't inspire them and they don't inspire me, I don't even want to spend time with them. There's no reason. What's the point? Yeah. So I think what we've learned is you need to look for fruit. Mm -hmm. So just like in a church, before you submit somewhere to say, I'm going to be here, look for the fruit. Yeah. Um, before you get into a relationship, look for the fruit. Mm -hmm. You can't find the fruit by dating them, by the way. It's too late. You're already dating them. <laughs> find the fruit. Look for before. the fruit before you start dating somebody. And you might be in a good relationship later on, huh? Amen. 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 <laughs> My foot's asleep. Help me, I'm in a toxic relationship. <laughs> They're going to think that, Miles. Whoa. That was way better.